and we're going we're gonna to come to our passage, but before we do, I want to share a few things with you. Now, notice the title, uh, and again, God couldn't have given us a better subject this morning than to talk about His Word. Uh, we're a Bible church. Can I get an amen? amen. Uh, we're a Bible-believing church. Can I get an amen for that? Amen. See, there's a lot of people that carry Bibles to church, but they don't use them. And there's a lot of people that go to church without a Bible. And there's a lot of pastors today that stand and never read the Scriptures. But I'll tell you one thing, we need God's Word. Amen. And so as we think about this uh, study this morning, it's about giving weight to the Word of God. Uh, you, you see people, and my, my son-in-law, Chris, he's been preparing uh, for when he's, when he's going to leave. And Brother Chris, is, he said yesterday, he said I, he told me how much he bench-pressed, and I thought, well, that's nothing. I do that every day, you know. And, uh, but he was telling me how much he did. But, but it sounded to me like he didn't start there, that he started at a lower weight and then has built up to that. Well, that's not what this is talking about when we say giving weight to the Word of God. Uh, we'll talk about that, but I want you to look at this verse by way of introduction. <clears throat> part of 1 Samuel chapter 2, look at verse 30, the last part of that verse there in your outline. It says, God says, for them that honor me, what's those next three words? So watch this, here's the principle, it's sowing and reaping. If we honor God, what's God going to do to us? He's going to honor us, but look at the second part. They that despise me shall be lightly esteemed. Now, here's a question for you this morning. Can you separate God from his word? No, they go hand in hand, right? That's why we call it the Bible, the word of God. So God says, look, if you, if you honor me, if you honor my word, Remember what Jesus said? He said, if you're my disciples, then you will continue in my word. You will do what the word of God instructs you to do. You know, I hope this morning that you didn't come thinking that pastor has some kind of magic wand that I can wave and, and you'll be a better Christian this year. You know how you're going to be a better Christian? Honor God. Do what he asks you to do. And God says, if you honor me, I'm going to honor you. And as we think about this this morning, I thought about this phrase, to give weight. Now, here's what it means. When we give weight to the Word of God, watch this. It's real simple. We, as Bible-believing Christians, we consider God's Word important. That's what it means. To give weight to something, to give weight to the Word of God, is we think that the Bible is important. The Word of God is important and, you know, when, when you were a kid, some of you may have been like me. Do you remember in your childhood praying a prayer before your meal and you prayed something like this? God is great. God is good. Yeah. How many of you remember that now? All right. Now, the, the beginning was God is great. God is good. How many of you believe that this morning? God is great and God is good. Now, here's the question is, is God great and is God good all the time? You didn't sound as positive there. See, either God is or God isn't. But see, when we think about it as Christians, 
we ought, to, we ought to be confident in the fact that God is great and God is good always. And here's a couple things. If you really believe that God is great and God is good, watch this. I want you to see some things from the Word of God this morning. Here's the first thing that that means is that God will always meet your needs. If God is great and God is good, then He's always going to meet your needs. You know, uh, we saw this verse even last week, Philippians 4.19. Look at it, my God, say that, my God shall supply how much? All your need, according to his riches. Aren't you glad he doesn't do it by our riches? It's according to his riches. <laughs> the Bible says here, in glory by Christ Jesus. So watch, if we believe God is great and we believe God is good, then that means that we have to believe that God will always meet our needs. How many of you think God's always going to meet your needs? See, look, you're his child. He loves you. Notice another thing is it means that he will always forgive your sins. Anybody in here a sinner? <laughs> Aren't you glad that God doesn't forgive your sins sometimes? That he always forgives your sins. Look at the Bible says here, you know the verse, 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, that, that's the key right there. Because watch this, he, God, is faithful Maybe you know God's faithful, right? And he's just to forgive us, look at what it says here, our sins and to cleanse us from how much unrighteousness? All. So when I look at it, if I believe God is great and I believe God is good, then that means that God will always forgive my sins. Now, the, the key to that verse, 1 John 1, 9, that was written to Christians is, is us. If we, see, God's ready to forgive us. He will always forgive us, but we must confess our sins to him. We, gotta, we have to agree that we're sinners and we need God's forgiveness, right? Amen? So, so look at this. If we believe that God is great and God is good, we, we believe then that he will always meet our needs. He will always forgive our sins. Look at another one. That means that God will never stop loving us. Aren't you glad for that one? God's going to love you no matter what. Look, my children are, are just like me and my wife. They make mistakes. They will make mistakes. But guess what? They're my children, and I will always love them. I, I might be disappointed from time to time, but I will always love them. And look what the Bible says in Jeremiah 31, 3. The Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with what kind of love? How long is everlasting? It's forever. See, God's not, he's never going to stop loving you. Look at the rest of the verse. Therefore, with loving kindness, God says, have I drawn thee. See, if I believe God is great and God is good, then I have to believe that God will never stop loving me. And, and, and we have to understand this this morning as we give way to the word of God. Look at another thing. If I believe God is great and God is good, that means that his strength and his grace is sufficient for me. Aren't you glad for the grace of God this morning? Amen. You know, every day in my life, I'm thankful for God's grace. And notice what God told Paul. He says, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength, not Paul's, God's strength, is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities 
that the power of Christ may rest upon me. So as, look, as I think about how good God is and how great God is, because I believe that, I believe that God's grace is sufficient. It will meet every need we have in our lives. Notice another thing, if we believe God is great and God is good, is that it means that he is the ruler of all things. Whatever circumstances are happening, and I look around the auditorium this morning, and I, I know that there are many of you I had prayed for about something. Some of you I am still praying for about certain things, and there may be this new year some things that I will end up praying for you, and you have prayed for me, but I know this, God's the ruler of all things. I believe that. God is great. And God is good. And as I think about this, notice what Job said. He knoweth the way that I take. And when he, God, hath tried me, what's the rest of that verse say? I shall come forth as gold. You know, I mean, God is working. He's working for our good. And he's the ruler of all things. He's in charge. He's sovereign in our lives. And if we believe God is great and God is good, we have to believe that he is the ruler of all things. Notice another thing I see is it means that you can count on God for what he has promised. In other words, God is as good as his word. You can trust the word of God. Uh, there might be something I might tell you or promise you, and it's not that I intentionally try to break that, but I know this, that not one promise of God has ever fallen to the ground. God has been good. He's kept every word he has ever said. And there are some things we're still looking for him to fulfill. But notice Numbers 23, verse 19. Love the verse. God is not a man that he should lie. Neither the son of man that he should repent. And the word repent, there has the understanding of change his mind. God doesn't change his mind like we would. But notice here, he says, shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken, shall he not make it good? And as I think about understanding that God is great and God is good, I understand that whatever God promises me, I can take that to the bank. I can, I can have confidence in the promises of God. Notice another thing that it means is that it means that you and I have nothing to fear. We have no need to fear Look, there are a lot of people that are afraid of man, what man can do to them. I'm so glad that because he's our father and because he's greater than anyone and he's so good, we have nothing to fear. God hasn't given us the spirit of fear. God's given us a, a, a sound mind and God has given us his power. And look what he told Joshua. Look at these words. Have not I commanded thee. He says, I didn't just tell you, Joshua, I commanded you, be strong and of a good courage, be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. Well, I love this part. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. You know what that means? You're never going to go alone. Wherever you go, God will go with you. And, and look, God is great, and God is good, and that's the reason that we have no need to fear. Do you, do you understand all of this is showing us what? How important the Word of God is. Because all of these things just reinforce the fact of who our God is, that He is our great God, 
and he is a good God. A.W. Tozer said this, he says, With the goodness of God to desire our highest welfare, the wisdom of God to plan it, and the power of God to achieve it, what do we lack? Surely we are the most favored of all creatures. You see, mankind, you and I, we were the crowning of God's creation. And God is working in our lives. And look, if we believe that God is always good, and here's what that means, and this is what it brings us to today. If we really believe God is great and God is good, then that, what that means is that you and I, we need to reject our thinking and give weight to his word. One of the phrases I love, and you see it mostly in the Old Testament, but you see it in different forms in the New, is this phrase, thus saith the Lord. You know the only thing matters is what God says. It doesn't matter what I say, doesn't matter what you say. I hope you came to God's house this morning to hear from God. You see, I don't, I don't want to stand and, and say what I want to be said today. And that's been my prayer all week leading up to this Vision Sunday, Anniversary Sunday. Is it doesn't need to be about me. It doesn't need to be about you or our church. It needs to be about our God. And what's so important. I'm going to tell you something. We all know the verse in Hebrews chapter 4. The word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces even the dividing asunder of, of joints and marrows. Listen, the word of God is what gets down into us. It does its work in our lives. Look, I'm going to tell you, uh, you know, there's a lot of great programs in the world today. But you know the ones that are changing people's lives are the ones that are based on the Word of God. You see, God's Word still changes lives. And that's why we've got to give weight to it. That's why we have to understand how important... You know, I, I've really been thinking about this, and I'm, gonna, I'm probably going to talk more about this uh, in the afternoon service for our anniversary. And that's why I hope you don't miss the, the afternoon service. But I'm going to talk about how we're missing the mark with those that are coming behind us. Do you know that if we're not teaching our children to pray, they're not going to pray when they get older? Do you know that if we're not teaching our children the importance of attending church, they won't go to church when they become an adult? Do you know that if we're not teaching our children to give to the Lord, to tithe according to the Word of God, they're not going to do that when they get older. You know, I've heard people say, well, you know, you can tithe your time. No, the Bible says, bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse. God didn't say bring your time. Now, certainly we can give God our time, but tithe, the word means 10%. So if you're going to take that, that approach, that means that you need to bring 10% of your time to the Lord. That's not what that means. You see, the Bible says that there might be meat. In other words, God has designed a way that we, that we might see the work of God continue to go forward. But see, a lot of times what we do is we allow our thinking 
to get in the way of God's word. And here's the danger. We give more weight to our thoughts than we do to God's words. Are you with me this morning? Listen, I'm just trying to help you this morning. I'm trying to help all of us to understand that if we're not careful, we are going to continue as the church of the living God to, to put more of what we think in front of what God's word says. And I hope you understand that the more of our thinking that we put in front of God's word, the more destruction we will see when it comes to the work of God. I'm not interested in that. I'm interested in staying with the word of God. And so I want you to see this passage this morning in Isaiah 55. Look at these verses here. The Bible says, Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours, your ways, my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain cometh down and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth in bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. You know what I see when I look at those verses that the prophet wrote? Is that the emphasis is on God. It's on God's word. It's on what God wants. It's on God's working in our lives. Are you still with me this morning? So look, I'm just, is it okay if I just study the Bible this morning? So look, we're looking at the Word of God, so here's the question, and I'm going to give you this question a couple times this morning, and here it is. What would happen when we, as God's people, begin to give weight to the Word of God? What do you think would happen? Well, notice the first thing, according to Isaiah, we would forsake the way that was birthed by our own reasoning. We forsake the way that was birthed by our own reasoning. Look again in Isaiah 55, look at verse 7. Let the wicked forsake his way and the righteous man, uh, unrighteous man his thoughts. When I look at that, it's, it, it, I see this happen a lot of times, and I'm even guilty from time to time, is that, that we are experts at justifying so many things. Now, Again, you may, you may feel different about this, but I, I think if you study the Word of God, don't listen to me. I could give you Scripture, but for the sake of time, the Bible does not teach. As a matter of fact, the Bible is adamant against Christians drinking. It's adamant. I could give you plenty of Scripture this morning, but here's what Christians, not the world does. Christians justify that it's okay to have a little here or there. People will cite the passage about where Paul said uh, about a little wine. And they'll say, see there, Paul was a drinker. Paul was not a drinker. They'll, they'll bring up the passage about Jesus going to the marriage in Cana. And how he turned the water into what? Wine. You need to study the words. The words of God. There is no way 
you will ever convince me that God contradicted his own word. It's impossible. We just read, God's not a man. God's not going to contradict his word. But see, what happens is, is that we justify and say, well, listen, it's okay to socially drink because it's not getting drunk. You're justifying sin. Now, I'm, I'm just talking about the word of God. Some of you have to understand that our reasoning, our thoughts, many times get in the way. The scriptural pattern is clear. For instance, how about this? Attending church. Now, I'm glad you're here this morning. I, I know I'm kind of preaching to the choir, but I'm using this as an example. As you look in the Word of God, here's what you find as a scriptural pattern is that we are to, in the New Testament era, to meet on the first day of the week. That's what the Bible tells us. It was practiced in the early church, and it remains our practice until this day. Some people say, well, why don't we meet on Saturday? Well, Saturday is not the first day of the week. Now, again, if you go back to Jewish tradition, you go back to the Sabbath, then you have something different. But when you get to the Word of God, look at Acts 20, verse 7. Upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together, they must have been Baptists to break bread, but notice the next couple words, Paul preached unto them. So they came together on the first day of the week. And, and look, I'm just using these as biblical examples this morning to show all of us that many times what happens is our reasoning, our thinking becomes the way that we live our lives. But if we're Christians, we can't allow our thinking, our reasoning to dictate how we live our lives. We must live our lives based on the word of God. Is everybody still with me this morning? Okay, and so as we think about this, look at Hebrews. I, I think you know this verse. The Bible says, not forsaken the assembling. So watch this. Here, here's, I'm just giving you true cases this morning. People say, I can worship God anywhere. That's true. I don't have to go to church to worship God. That is true. But how do you handle forsake not the assembling of ourselves together. And the Bible says, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. You, you know what I need? I need to spend time with other Christians. I need to worship God together as a body of believers. Why? Because that's what the Bible teaches. But see, today there are satellite churches. People stay at home and they watch some TV evangelist. Now listen, I'm not saying that they're all bad or whacked out or whatever. You know, you might be able to hear a good message here or there. But again, it's kind of hard for that guy on TV to be your pastor, to know you, to pray for you. So again, you have to understand, when we allow our reasoning, our thinking, it becomes our way instead of God's way. You know, somebody put it this way, they said, just because you go to church doesn't make you, make you a Christian any more than sitting in a garage makes you a car. You know, a lot of times people think, well, I went to church. That doesn't make you a Christian. You become a Christian when you put your faith in Christ. So, look, it's, it's, it's not about what we think. It's about what thus saith the Lord. So what happens in our lives, watch this, what happens when we begin to give weight to the word of God. Well, I'll tell you what happens is, according to Isaiah, we're going to forsake the way that was birthed. You know, people come to me and say, Pastor, how come you don't do this? 
How come Bible Baptist doesn't do this? How come you don't do it this way? And look, I get it. Sometimes people come from other churches and maybe they did it this way or that way at other churches. I'm not saying their way's wrong and our way's right or whatever. But a lot of times, look here, I love the fact that I can take the Bible and show people this is why we do things the way we do. Now, again, you know what happens is then it becomes the authority is the word of God. The authority is God and it's not me. And if they have a problem with the way we do it, their problem isn't with me. Their problem's with who? With God. Are you with me this morning? This makes total sense to me, you know, because it's Bible. So watch, when we begin to give way to the Word of God, look at secondly, not only are we going to forsake the way birthed by our own reasoning, but then watch this, as we forsake the way, secondly, we're going to return to the Word to establish our thoughts. Look what Isaiah said as you read on in Isaiah 55, 7. He says, and let him return unto the Lord. And you say, well, pastor, I'm in church. I mean, I'm trying to live for God. But watch this. If we are living our lives according to our way, our reasoning, God says, look, you need to forsake that. And you need to come back to me. Come back to my word. Let my word. Look here. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You want to have a great year this year? Then what you need to do is follow God. Follow his word instead of following your reason. And so as we think about this, look at, uh, you know, uh, not only do we need to forsake our way and return to God's way, but we need to forsake the thinking that produced our error. And it, look, don't get me wrong, with all the social media and television and the internet and all these things, it's easy sometimes for some of these things to creep into our thoughts. Here, here's a verse that it really has meant a lot to me over the years. I want you to look at this first, 2 Corinthians 10, 5. Look at it. Casting down, what's the word? Imaginations. And look at this. How many high things? Every that exalted itself, look at these words, against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. How many of our thoughts? every thought. God says, look, I want, I want my word to captivate your life. I want you to build your life on the word of God. I don't want you to be thinking about how I can do this or how I can figure this out or how I can get around this. God says, I want you to return to the word of God. And I love this because the word of God will establish your thoughts. So important. Look at that verse again. A couple words that I just I got hung up on this week. The word imaginations. Everybody see that word? If you want to jot this down, here's what it literally means. It means reasoning that is hostile to the Christian faith. He says, I want you to cast down reasonings that are hostile, that, that is against the knowledge of God. He's, this, this word here is, means to make a decision based on our conscience. You ever heard somebody say that my, my conscience is bothering me? The Bible talks about how we can have an evil conscience. It talks about how our conscience can be seared. And, and God says, look, I want you to cast down those imaginations. You know, the very word for imaginations is the word uh, our word is, we get the word logical, it's the word logikos. 
Logikosmos is the actual word there. And in other words, it's things that are logical to us. And you have to understand, God is infinite, we're finite. Things that we think about, you know, you ever been around somebody and they'll tell you something and you're thinking, you look at them and you go, I, I do this with my kids from time to time. That doesn't make any sense. I wonder how many times a day God thinks that whenever we're, we're trying to do something and God's thinking, that doesn't make any sense. And God says, look, I want you to cast down anything that is reasoning on your part that is hostile, it's against the Christian faith. And then look at here, he says, casting down imaginations and every high thing. If you want to jot this down, look at that word. Is It's an elevated place or an altitude or barrier. Remember what happened in the Old Testament where they started to build the tower? Right? Remember that? Why were they building the tower? They wanted to get to heaven, right? See, man has always tried to attain to be smart, to have all these accolades and to have all these degrees. Man's never going to be smart like God. Man can't be God. And he says here, I want you to cast down. The word cast down means to demolish, to take down, to pull down, to destroy. God says any reasoning that you have, anything that is hostile against the word of God, he says anything that is elevated, that's, that's, that you're trying to, 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 to bring yourself up to me, God says I want, you to, I want you to pull all of it down, I want you to destroy it. How many would be willing to do that? God, I want this year to be a year where my, my thinking is based on the word of God instead of, what, instead of how I can figure out how I can make my life work. You know, here, here's some good examples, because a lot of people live in what I would call the land of if only, you know. The land of if only, it's an imaginary place. <laughs> you know, people say, like you might hear somebody say, if only my spouse would understand me. You know, I gave up a long time ago trying to understand women. You know, it's just, it's just never going to happen. People say, if only I w wasn't created this way. Think about how many people today that are trying to change who they are. You, look, you might change certain parts about yourself, but guess what? You're never going to change who God created you to be. People say, if only I wasn't created this way. How about this one? If only my children would respect me. You know how your children will respect you? Respect them. But I'm the parent. Hey, listen, there is clear biblical instruction on how parents are to parent their children. You say, well, what if my children don't like that? That's not the issue. God says, follow my word. Do what my word says. People say, well, if only I had a little more money. Well, let me ask you, what would you do then? Uh, people say, boy, if I won the lottery, I, I, I would tithe. Well, how about this? Why don't you tithe? And I'm not saying God's going to let you win the lottery. <laughs> but I will tell you this. God will bless your life. You don't need the lottery anyway. Study it out. All the people that, well, I can't say all. The vast majority of the people that have won the lottery, their lives are in shambles. Their lives are worse after they won than before. You look at professional athletes. They don't have a dime because they've blown it all. 
People say, if only. How about this? If only I could do the things I used to. How many of you wish you could do that, right? <laughs> Brother Kenny and Brother Chris and I, we were doing things around here the other day. We, were, we had a saw and we were uh, trying. And, and, and when it's in a little tight spot, you know, my grip is, is slipping a little bit, but I still got a little bit of grip left in me. But, you know, I, I, listen, I, I'm okay with these younger guys. I mean, they're supposed to be stronger. And there was a thing that was, didn't have a lot of space, and I was trying to get it. And so I just I took it, and I handed it to Brother Kenny. And he goes, what, you can't get that? <laughs> well, excuse me. I'm going to step back while lightning comes through the roof, you know. <laughs> you know, it's like, give, give you 30 years and see what happens, bud, you know. But a lot of times, if only, how about this, if only I had more freedom. Boy, you look at people that do have freedom, what are they doing with it? You know, if only my work situation was better. You know how your work situation would get better? You. Live like a Christian. You know, if only I had gotten that raise. <laughs> if, you're, if you're working better at work, you might get that raise. If only I, how about this one? If only I had less pain. You remember what Paul said? God's grace is sufficient. I will therefore gladly glory in my infirmity that the power of Christ may rest with it. See how the word of God changes everything? It does away with all the, the, the if onlys. And what would happen thirdly if we begin to give way to the word of God? Watch this. Not only would we forsake the way of our own reasoning, not only would it help us to return to the word of God to establish our thoughts, but thirdly, when we do that, we'll experience God's mercy and God's forgiveness. I, I don't know about you, but I love it. Isaiah 55, look at verse 7 again. Here's what Isaiah said. He, God, will have mercy upon him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. You know what the word abundantly means? Multiply. In other words, God desires to abundantly give mercy to his children. In other words, Mercy produces more mercy, which produces more mercy. I'm glad for the mercy of God. What, is, what, did, what did Jeremiah write in the book of Lamentations? His mercies are new every day. Every day we need the mercy of God. Look at number four. What happens when we begin to give way to the word of God? If we've done those other three things, look at this, then we will accept God's ways at the expense of our own. We'll, look here, we'll take our reasoning, our thoughts, and we'll set them aside, and we will accept what the Bible has to say. You know, I love the, where it says that they search the scriptures daily to see if those things were so. You know what that means? They were giving weight to the Word of God. They said, we want to know what the Bible has to say. There, there are people that will go to a church house today, and they want to hear what the preacher has to say. Uh, listen, uh, even though I'm a pastor, I want to hear what God has to say. And, and, and I want to accept God's ways. Our ways are incompatible. Look, one of uh, either our ways or God's way, one must be accepted and the other one must be rejected. Look at verse 8 9 of Isaiah 55. God says, My thoughts are not your thoughts. I'm glad they're not. And he says, Neither are my ways your ways, or your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways, look at this, higher. You ever heard somebody say, why don't you take the high road? You know what the high road is? God's way. God says, my ways are 
higher than your ways, and my thoughts, guess what? They're higher than your thoughts. See, I, I love it. You know what that means? It boils down to this. Here it is. It's either my will or thy will. My will or thy will. Was Jesus God? I think I'm in the right church. Was Jesus God? Okay, it helps me a little bit. So Jesus as God said what, Joe? Not my will, but thine be done. And if Jesus, who was God in the flesh, said to God the Father, it's not what I want, it's what you want. Are you with me this morning? It's not what I want. It's what, what you want. We, sometimes Christians, they, they, they really, it's, it's almost comical. Well, what does God want? Well, he gave you 66 books. It's called the Bible. Read it. Know God's way, and watch this. Don't just know God's way. Accept it as, this is what I'm going to do. This is how I'm going to live my life. This is how I'm going to raise my kids. This is how I'm going to handle my finances. This is how I'm going to uh, uh, you know, help my family, lead my family. This is how I'm going to be a better wife. Look, you fill it in. This is how I'm going to give. This is how I'm going to worship God. Look, all of it comes from the Word of God. And look, our ways, they run contrary to God's ways. So look, we either accept one to be true and reject the other one as false. You cannot have both. You cannot serve God and mammon. Can't serve this world. So mixing our thoughts and God's thinking is destructive. Look at James says, a double-minded man is unstable in what? All his ways. See, that's where we get in trouble. Well, I'm going to take a little bit of the Bible and a little bit of this. No, God says that's, that's like mixing oil and water. You either take God's way or you take your way. Here's some great verses that helped me as I was thinking about giving weight to the Word of God. I, look, I want to honor the one that's gave, given us His Word. And look what He gives us here in Luke 6 and verse 46. Jesus said, Why call ye me Lord, Lord? And do not the things which I say. Whosoever cometh to me and heareth my sayings and doeth them, I will show you to whom he is like. He's like a man which built an house, digged deep, laid the foundation on a rock, when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently upon that house and could not shake it, for it was founded upon a rock. But he that heareth and doeth not is like a man that without a foundation built a house upon the earth, against which the stream did beat vehemently, and immediately it fell. And the ruin of that house was great. How many of you have seen and hopefully been praying for Puerto Rico and all those, all those earthquakes, right? I don't know if you were like I was about maybe two days ago. I saw a picture on the, well, it was maybe like a little news clip. And they were showing some of the destruction, houses in rubble, laying on the ground. And the, and the news reporter was looking at a house that was just, it was just nothing but a pile of rubble. And they scanned to the left, 
and there was a house that looked like it didn't have one thing out of place. And I thought, how in the world? I mean, all around that house, houses were laying on the ground, and I thought, how does that happen? And then the reporter said that they talked to the owner of that house, and that the owner of that house decided to take measures to sure up and to add support to their house. And I guarantee you, even though they didn't have that person on the news, if they interviewed them, I would say that that owner was, would probably say something like this, I am so glad that I had a strong foundation. Because look at my house. It's still standing. Now certainly, he was sad for his neighbors. But had his neighbors wisely taken the measures that he did, their houses would still be standing today too. And many of us know people in our lives, family, friends, who over the years, because they decided they were going to trust their thoughts instead of God's thoughts, and they were going to live by their ways instead of God's ways, that their lives today are nothing but a ruin. And we cannot stand here and be proud. The only thing we can take great comfort in is that we're building our lives on something that can support us and can help us. I'm not interested in what other people have to say. I'm not interested in man's logic. I'm interested in what God has to say. And this year, if you want to do something that would honor God, look here, give weight to the Word of God. Look at Isaiah 66. This verse, I'll give it to you, will be done. But I thought of this verse. God says, to this man will I look, even to him that is poor and of a contrite spirit. And he says these words, and one that trembleth at my word. He's talking about somebody that considers his word important. Jesus thought it was so important. He, listen, here's what he said. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. May God help us this year to live our lives on the Word of God. Let's give weight to the Word of God. Lord, thank you this morning for your Word and how it does its work in our lives. I pray that you'd bless this next hour, Lord, and then the afternoon service. Thank you again for the vision that you can give to us from your Word. Lord, this morning, where will we be without the Word of God? And I pray that you'd bless. We know that you will. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.